You're listening to a podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Let's get into Luke chapter 2. I want to show you some of these cool pictures that I came across this past week, and I just thought, wow, this just really speaks quite well of, of, of something I'd like to share with you. So, first of all, this is a man by the name of Simon Beck. He looks a little weathered because he spends most of his time outside. He graduated from Oxford with a degree in engineering. But in 2004, he said, enough of the office, enough of kind of the concrete jungle, and he left, for, left the office for the snow. And what this guy does is he walks around in the snow, step by step, with some kind of unique snowshoes on. And just take a look at some of the things that he does in the snow. And, and so here he is just out doing a little walk. Let's go on to the next picture. And we'll see what he creates with just walking around in some snow. His designs, let's go on to the next one, will go anywhere from two and a half acres to ten acres in size. In order to do some of these, he will walk 20 to 30 kilometers just to make one of these unique designs. Just to encourage people, just to kind of let people know that, you know what, somebody is, I guess, a little crazy out there, but people sure appreciate the work that he does. He now, you can actually find him on Facebook if you just go to Simon Beck Snow. If you just do a Google search on that, you'll find something, uh, more information about him. But each step that he takes may seem rather small, rather insignificant, but each one is carefully planned in in making something amazing happen. Something beautiful is being formed by the master designer. In this case, it's Simon. He has an amazing plan in in store for, for each one of his creations. And so in the summer, he goes to the beaches and he does some designs there. You know, when you look at the various events of the Christmas story... You see many individual steps. You see many little parts of it. In fact, there's about 70 verses that kind of make up the gospel narratives when it comes to the birth of Christ. And each step may seem quite small, insignificant, but in each step, God has a plan. He has a design, and it is for something amazing. And this morning, I want us to look at one verse in the Christmas story. Just one verse, one sentence, one statement, but wow, is it ever significant. And we see it in Luke chapter 2. And here it is. I'm going to read it for you in Luke 2, but then we're going to read it in context of where it's at. But here's the verse we're going to be unpacking here this morning. Luke 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, in order to put this a little bit more in context, I'm going to read the 10 verses before it, just so you kind of see the flow of where this is going. So starting in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to a city, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And here's our verse now. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now when you think of the first Christmas and how it came about, a Savior, a Messiah, the promised one coming to the earth, you may kind of look at certain parts of it and think, Really? Is this how it all came about? Because certain parts of it just don't seem to make a lot of sense. In fact, the Christmas story may seem a little bit backwards. This isn't how the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords should be coming to earth, you think. I mean, it seems a little redneck, a little bit back of the woods kind of thing. But here we see something very significant, that Christ came into some very humble beginnings. It started with some very humble beginnings. Born in Bethlehem, born in a stable, laid in a manger. I, I, I mean, even you look at the parents of Jesus, just very simple, very ordinary kind of people. Mary and Joseph. Yes, Joseph came from the line of David, but, but still, I mean, there, there were many offspring from the line of David. And, and he was a simple carpenter, and Mary, just a young lady looking to get married and to start a family. And think about it, God, the King of Kings, placed in a manger, wrapped in strips of cloth. And you just kind of wonder, I, I can't help but think later on when Jesus was a teenager and, and his mother was after him to perhaps get the room cleaned up a little bit. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and maybe she even, you know, turned it over to Joseph and said, Joseph, you know what, just, can you get Jesus to clean up his room? It's a little bit of a mess. And, Jesus, and, and Joseph goes and takes a look at the room and he says, come on, Jesus, what do you think? Were you born in a barn? You know, and Jesus, yeah, yeah, I was, you know. And, and so it was like, oh, that one doesn't work, you know, very well. And so, I mean, you just see these humble beginnings. Think about the visitors that came to, to visit Joseph and Mary and the baby. They weren't the synagogue sisters that were coming with casseroles and with gifts and presents for a new mom. They were shepherds. And when you understand shepherds, I mean, now, you know, we set up our nativity scenes and you have these nice kind of looking kind of shepherd guys in their long coats and they look so nice and everything. Yeah, shepherds were usually the outcasts of society. In fact, oftentimes they were, were probably former criminals they were people who really had no hope and no future. And yet God makes this amazing announcement to them, to the lowly, to the humble, to those who didn't seem to have a lot of hope. That's who comes to visit this little baby. In these very humble beginnings, it kind of seems almost a little bit like an upside-down kind of situation. An upside-down kingdom, if you want to call it. Here, Jesus comes to earth having all the riches of heaven, and yet he has, later on in his ministry, he has no place to lay his head. He would get hungry, and yet he could feed 5,000 people through a simple prayer. He would get tired, and he would get weary, and yet he could heal the sick and raise the dead. His teaching, very unique, kind of upside-down kind of teaching, when he told the people, you really want to live? 
it starts by dying. The way up is down. You want to be great? Get low. Be a servant. You want to be truly rich? Give it all away. This is kind of an upside-down kind of kingdom that, again, in Jesus' day and even in our day, doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Yet something amazing, life-changing, was happening with these very humble beginnings. How about for us right now, where you're at in your life today? So oftentimes we despise where we're at right now in life. We don't particularly like our life situation. There are things that we just think, if I get over this hurdle, if this happens, if this doesn't happen, it would just be so much better. If I have this person out of my life, or if I have this person in my life, or if I have this money, or this car, or this house, then I'm really kind of living. Now I'm going to make it. Maybe you're sitting here today and say, you know what, I'm in a bit of a valley, personally. I'm walking through a hard time. And I encourage you, don't despise the valley. A few years ago, at a very important time in my own life, I came across this Puritan prayer. Listen to this. Let me learn by paradox, it says, that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, and that the valley is the place of vision. And it all starts with humble beginnings. Don't despise humble beginnings. Don't despise where you're at right now because God is wanting to teach you. He is wanting to grow you. He is wanting to see great things come from very humble circumstances that you might be facing. But you just don't stay there with these humble beginnings. It kind of moves on here in this verse to to what is next because it goes on to tell us that born this day in the city of David, each part of the Christmas story, each part of the life of Christ All were a part of God's sovereign plan. All part of His sovereign plan. Do you believe it? Do you believe that every part of your life, everything that has happened up until now, everything that will happen is part of God's sovereign plan? I'm not saying you necessarily like what's going on, but do you believe it? Nothing has ever happened in your life that has been a surprise to God. Maybe a huge surprise to you, but not a huge surprise to God. It wasn't like all of a sudden God was left up in heaven one day scratching his head and looking at you and sorry, didn't see this one coming. Don't know what happened there. Not at all. All part of God's sovereign plan. And you see this in the life of Jesus Christ. You see it in his birth. There were hundreds of prophecies, 350-some prophecies regarding the coming of the Messiah to this earth. And there were some very, very specific to these very humble beginnings here at the start. It says that he would be part of the line of David, one of the prophecies, hundreds of years before this even happened. It said that the prophet said he would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem, in the city of David. It was prophesied that there would be a, a... would be a star. It also prophesied the escape to Egypt. 
the events of Jesus' life and his death were all prophesied. From the stable right to the cross, we see that God's sovereign hand was in it all. And how important it is for us to realize that everything that we're facing in our lives is all part of God's sovereign plan as well. Everything. This past week on Facebook, there are some friends that I have on Facebook that used to live in Regina and since they've moved to Eastern Canada and he's a pastor there. And this week they posted a picture of the couple and, and they were celebrating their 8th anniversary. And the picture was taken a number of months ago when the weather was a little bit nicer, but you could tell that this young lady who had, they were celebrating on this day, this past week, 8 years of being married, that she was pregnant. As you could tell, she was obviously quite pregnant. And so here they were celebrating on Wednesday their 8th anniversary. The next day, here was their Facebook post. God is still good. Our little girl Zoe Grace is safe in the arms of our Heavenly Father. She was born last evening at 847, weighing 8 pounds and 3 ounces. She's beautiful. We miss her so much. She is a gift from God. And then he goes on to write, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. We know his presence. He has not abandoned us. Thank you all for your prayers and your support. We now leave ourselves in God's hands to put the broken pieces back together. When life isn't working for us, when we're suffering, when we're disappointed, when comfort and ease of our lives are interrupted, it's very hard, it's very possible and very easy for us to bring God into the courtroom. And question his faithfulness, his goodness, his wisdom, his love. God, where are you? God, what's going on? Where's your faithfulness? Where's your grace? Where's your mercy? Where's your love? I mean, yes, we're going to question. It's a natural thing. But how important it is that in our questioning, it, we end up in worship and in trust of God. Job, when he lost everything, when he lost his possessions, when he lost his family, in, in Job chapter 1, verse 20, he, it says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And the verses that followed was his statement, The Lord gives... And the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name. But God, I don't understand. I know and I believe it's all part of your sovereign will and your plan. But I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't mean, again folks, it's okay to question. Job continued to question God. Your friend of mine reminded me back a number of years ago that, that Job questioned God with 300 different questions, he got no answers from God, but he continued to worship and believe that God had a sovereign plan and that God is good and that God can be trusted. And we see that God brought him through that. And you see this in the Christmas story. You see it in the main characters of the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and the wise men. What's one thing you see them all doing? You see them worshiping. You see them trusting. When it doesn't make sense, when the angel visits Mary and she has a few questions. 
when the angel comes to Joseph and he's like, how can this be? When the shepherds come and they see the little one, what do they do? When the wise men come, they worship. They didn't even get to see the Messiah. They weren't worshiping because of the finished work of Christ. They were, they were worshiping Christ for who he was. The fulfillment of, of the work of Christ still was years away, and yet they worshiped. And as they did, they were filled with confidence and strength and joy. Even though what they were longing for and hoping for still hadn't happened. Today, right here, right now, with whatever it is that you're facing. Maybe you're longing for something. Maybe you're anticipating something or questioning and wondering. Maybe even hurting and, and your heart is confused. Do you trust Him? Do you believe that God has a sovereign plan for what you are facing, what your family is going through? With hearts that are pursuing humility. Saying, God, I don't know, I don't understand it all, but God, you have a sovereign will, you have a sovereign plan. May we be worshipers. And then finally, the last part of this verse is very important, and, and, and it's in the announcement of the angels. The verse, born this day in the city of David, there we see the fulfillment of this prophecy that we just talked about, that it was all a fulfillment, God's sovereign plan. But here's the, this last part that is so important. A Savior has been born. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And here you see two key words. The Savior has been born is the first one. Jesus is the Savior. The Savior of the world. The promised one. The one that we were waiting for, anticipating for, these people were. Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death we were condemned to die in offers to trade our place with us for the wrath that we do not have to face. He got the penalty for your sin and my sin. And we receive the gift of righteousness when we receive Him. That's Jesus our Savior. That's the work that He does. And so we take Jesus, we receive Him as our Savior. But that second part is so important in there because it says, the Savior who is Christ the Lord. That He is Savior and He is Lord. There's a difference. This is important. You see, Christianity just isn't simply believing, yes, He's my Savior, and, and kind of adopting a certain lifestyle that is filled with a bunch of do's and don'ts and, and certain disciplines. It's not about just saying the right things and doing the right things and, and hopefully developing more willpower and more discipline and, and just by doing those right things and kind of hoping that sooner or later it will kind of kick in and get a little bit easier. It's not about trying to just be better and do better. Instead, it's submitting to His plan, His Word with our lives. That is what it means to be, to have Him not just simply as our Savior, but also as our Lord. And that's tough. That can be very, very tough. Is Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord? We see the perfect example of how even Jesus submitted himself to his heavenly father. We see the lordship happening there when he said the night before he was crucified, not my will be done, but yours. You see his submitting spirit there saying, it's all part of your sovereign plan and in humility, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you because he was surrendered. Not my will, but yours be done. 
You hear this statement from time to time. Either He is the Lord of all or He's not the Lord of all. You know what? I'm not so sure I really like that statement. It sounds really religious. Kind of super mechanical. Yes, we love singing, you know, from time to time. And, and you know, I surrender all. I surrender all. But do we? Do we really? I mean, we sing it, but do we actually do it? And, and so then we think, okay, you know what? Um, it's all yours. And, and um, I, I'm not going to, to do bad things. And I'm going to just try to do better things. And, and I'm going to try to have the right kind of thoughts. And, and because, you know what? I want you to be Lord. And, and we can be saying things on the inside and trying to believe it. But on the, on the inside, it's not there. On the outside, we're, we're walking the walk. We're looking the part. How do we grow in the lordship of Jesus Christ in this way? How do we make him Lord? Do we just say, fine, it's all yours then. Okay, fine, I'll, I'll give to your work. I'll give of my time. I'll do all these things. Is that what it is? No, that's not what he's interested in. He's not in a, interested in just our, fine, it's all yours. No, we've got to remember it's not in doing, but it's realizing that the work has already been done. The work has already been done by Christ on the cross. And there he becomes our Savior and our Lord as we rely more and more on him, on his grace in our lives every day. Loving his mercy, being in awe that he would save a sinner and a mess like me. Does that just blow your mind? It should, that he would save us. Because you know what? All of us, and, and I'm speaking because I know my own heart, I'm pretty messed up. I, I, I still have a long ways to go when it comes to re- being that, that surrendered person to Jesus Christ. And the very fact that, that he loves me and he forgives me, and it blows my mind that he would save someone like me. And when you believe this and you progress in these truths, it starts changing your heart from the inside out. It's not a bunch of outside rules and regulations that you try to follow. It's a change that happens from the inside. Oh, that we would have hearts that are being transformed by this gospel message. What is the gospel? Christ in my place. That we'd be surrendered. And as we are growing in our love, of God's grace and we're walking in his mercy we surrender easily because we don't it's not because we have to it's because we want to because of what he has done in these days when we don't have an official church office one of my um, I have kind of a rotating church office and it's different Starbucks or Tim Hortons sometimes McDonald's different places throughout the city where I like to go and, and just kind of have the white noise around you and, and I can't get up and wander very much because I have my stuff there and I don't want it to get stolen. And so it, it, it actually means I can be somewhat productive in my various offices that rotate around town. And this past week, I uh, was listening to the worship songs that we were singing here today and just through an app that we have we can kind of have the songs uploaded to your smartphone to whatever and you can just be listening to them and and so i was spending time this week just worshiping just listening to these songs and just preparing my own heart for for what we would be singing here today and and so part of it is i i i went for a walk 
in Orchard Park Mall. And it was crazy. There was people all over the place. And I took the, the music app and I, I, I pressed play and, and I just started listening to the songs. And I was just, I became like one of these uh, seniors, um, a mall walker, it seemed. And, and I did, the, did a couple loops around and I had, had, had the music like pretty loud. And, and it was just so weird because like everything was just blocked out except these worship songs. And, and it's like you could see this conversation. You could see this. It was almost like you're walking in a different dimension. It was really strange. I mean, it was kind of cool in some ways. But then a part of it was just, I just started, I mean, tears were forming. I thought, I hope I don't run into anyone that I know. This is kind of embarrassing. I'm walking through the malls and I'm crying. And tears are streaming down my face. Because I'm listening to these songs about what Christ has done in my life. That he came to save someone like me. And that I have the gift of Christ, that he is my Savior. And daily I'm wanting to make him my Lord. And as I was overwhelmed with his grace, it was amazing the compassion. And just, you know, so oftentimes we could not even tolerate the very people that God has called us to win to Christ. Whether it's in traffic, whether it's the people waiting in lines, kind of irritating us. That neighbor, that co-worker who just can't stand. And here we have the greatest gift ever. We have Jesus Christ. And maybe they don't. There's good chances they don't. And we have the life-changing message. And so oftentimes we're so engrossed in our own stuff that we don't care about what's going on. And I was so blown away by just God's grace and His mercy and, and that He would save a wretch like me as we sing. And then I did run into somebody I knew. And I quickly kind of got cleaned up a little bit and had a wonderful conversation with this man and invited him to church. He's walked through a, a, a hard time with his, his family over the last year and, and, uh, and just was able to sit and talk with him. And, and when we are worshiping kind of people, when we are in awe of his grace and his mercy and we're just overwhelmed that he would do this... It changes us and it gives us that heart of compassion. We want to surrender to him, not out of, out of drudgery, out of, out of, you know what, just because we're supposed to, because the pastor says and because we sing, I surrender all. We freely want to give to him, whatever it is. Serving him, whether it's in a ministry within the church or outside the church. Giving of our financial resources should be a joy because of what he has done in our lives, not a, a burden or, or just one of those painful kind of things that we do as believers. But it flows out of a heart of worship. And that's what we see throughout this Christmas story. Humble beginnings. God has a sovereign plan. He has a sovereign plan for your life today. But he desires to be your Savior. Not just your Savior, but also your Lord. Let's pray. And then we'll worship. Father, even now we come to you and we just thank you for saving us. And I pray that people here have come to that point where they've said yes to you. But Lord, it's so much more than praying a simple prayer. And then just trying to live a better life. Trying to live changed. But by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit as we are worshipers. 
as we are people that are so thankful that you are our Messiah that came to this earth on our behalf. You died upon the cross and took our penalty for our sin that we so deserve. And we're free. And we have your life imparted to us. That's amazing news. May we worship you and thank you for this out of the outflow of, of joy in our hearts. May we face those difficult situations that we face even now. May we realize that through humble beginnings, great things can happen when we're surrendered to your sovereign plan for our lives and we trust and we worship you by faith. And even now as we sing this song of, of worship to you, perhaps with hurting hearts or confused hearts, Lord, I pray that it would be a declaration of our faith and that we would experience what the shepherds experienced the wise men, what Mary and Joseph, joy, unspeakable joy. May we take this message to our city, our families, to our workplaces. You are a God who can be trusted in all things. We love you, Jesus. Let's stand together as we worship you.